0: Most of you know me. My name is Kimmy, one of the pastors, and uh, so thrilled to be here and to share God's word with you. And I invited a friend who is also going to share the message tonight. And her name is Adriana. I've been getting to know her uh, over the last Um, little while and just absolutely love her heart for Jesus and uh, just uh, her words. And so I didn't ask her to share the message uh, with me because I felt sorry for her, Uh, but because she actually, she has like these incredible things that she says, these God things. And I really, I love her heart for Jesus and just felt like uh, we're going to have a great partnership tonight. So I'm blessed to know her and get to know her. We went on the family mission trip together a couple weeks ago to the Okanagan Gleaners, and she led a devotion one of the nights. And while she was leading the devotion... The Lord said to me, you need to ask her to share with you in a couple weeks, and she was brave and said yes, and so here we are, and so her name is Adriana, in case I forgot to say that already, and uh, so I I prepared her with just a few funny questions, uh, or fun, just interesting things about her that I thought it would be kind of cool for us to know, and so my first one is, what is your favorite kind of pizza?
1: One with vegetables
0: on it. <laughs> one with vegetables on it. Did you guys catch that? Vegetarian pizza. I, I'm imagining what that looks like. I don't know if I would enjoy it, but I'm glad you enjoy it. What is your favorite book of the Bible?
1: Um, Ephesians.
0: Good call. Thank you. That's a good one. Good. You've already won. You've already, <laughs> you won in my books. Uh, what are you taking in school?
1: Um, I'm in the nursing program, and I'm in my second year.
0: Okay, so you might think that she is like quite a, quite a bit younger. She's actually in her 20s. I'm 21. <laughs>
1: she's,
0: she's doing pretty good. She's looking pretty great, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite kind of candy? Um, gummy bears. <laughs> gummy bears. And do you like the sour ones or just the plain ones? Just plain old gummy bears. Plain old gummy bears. Yeah. <laughs> good choice. All right, and what is your favorite thing about God?
1: Um, Probably the way that he uh, radically loves people. Mm,
0: Yeah. That's a pretty great thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good so yeah so we're going to share together from Matthew chapter 5 and if you brought your Bible or you want to open it on your phone app you're welcome to we will also have the slides up on the screen for you so you can participate with us there and we're going to kind of go back and forth through this scripture and we're going to share on it together just some different thoughts and different perspectives Um, and so Adriana is going to just open in prayer for us
1: Mm okay okay Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much for joining us tonight in these moments. I thank you that you have the ability to create a sweet, sweet moment between you and us. And I just pray that the words that Kimmy and I speak tonight are words that you have designed for each person here. Um, I just thank you for your great heart. In your name, amen.
0: Amen. All right, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, and it says, You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies... Pray for those who persecute you. And so at the beginning there, it talks about this law. And you might be thinking, like, what law? What uh, What is Jesus referring to? Because these are red letters in the Bible, and this is Jesus talking. And so he is actually quoting from Leviticus. So let's go back to Leviticus 19, verse 17. And this one says... Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. And so in the day, biblical days, uh, if you were an Israelite, then anybody else who was an Israelite was a relative they were a family member. Even if they weren't like immediately related to you, they were a part of your family. And so it's like, don't nurse hatred for any of your relatives, any of your family, any of your people, but instead love the people that are close to you, right? Love your people. And let's be honest, for most of us, this is pretty easy. But then the scripture continues on to say, But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so, yeah, we get it. Like, it's pretty easy to love the people that are in our families and in our circle, right? We can all do that. But then, when we go back to what Jesus is quoting in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Um, and hate your enemy. He kind of like adds this part to what was being said in Leviticus. And the reason that Jesus does this is that in his day, it was actually a really popular saying. It was something that the zealot people would say. They would say, love your fellow neighbor love your fellow israelite love your fellow jew but hate your enemy and the enemy was the roman so love your neighbor but hate your enemy and so that's why jesus is referring to this is because he knows that the people listening to him are people who want to overthrow the roman government right If you were here last week I talked a little bit about the Roman oppression on the Jewish people and so they saw the Romans as their enemy and the reason for that was that the Romans decided to bring peace by force they brought peace through authority by being ruthless by pushing the Israelite people down and so naturally the Roman people became the enemy of the Jewish people, right? And and I think that we can all pretty much understand that. But when Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, so he's like he's talking to he knows his audience. Love the Romans. Love the enemy, love the person that's pushing against you and pray for those who persecute you. And that's a pretty huge message, right? He's saying pray for the Roman government, the Roman people that are pushing you down. They're your enemy. And this word persecute, it means to pursue in a hostile manner, to harass, to be mistreated. And we don't have a Roman government that's oppressing us and pushing us down, but a lot of us could probably talk and, and find somebody who's oppressing us, right? Maybe it's a boss that's treating you unfairly, or being cruel, or maybe a spouse that's abusive, or maybe an addiction that's bossing us around and kind of our enemy and in control right? We could all probably nod our heads and say, yes, we've been mistreated. We've been treated unfairly at some point in our life. And so those situations or those people then in our eyes start to become the enemy. They're our enemy. And so Jesus is saying, pray for your enemies, And we're like, yeah, but you don't understand what they've really done. You don't understand, like, how much they've really hurt me. And they don't actually deserve my prayers, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, my enemy doesn't deserve my prayers is is something that we might think. And Jesus is saying, pray for your enemy. And when he's saying this, he's saying, forgive them. Forgive your enemy. Now, I have a little bit of a picture for you. And I want you to kind of imagine, if you have a neighbor, where would your neighbor naturally sit? Your neighbor would sit beside you, right? Somebody that you're in community with, somebody in your family, a loved one, a neighbor, a relative, would sit beside you. Where would an enemy sit? Often in front of you. Your, your enemy is poised before you blocking you from the things that you want to get towards your neighbor is beside you your enemy is in front of you well what if we were to move our enemy's position to our neighbor's position what would happen Well, it would actually change the atmosphere. It would change everything, wouldn't it? Because our perspective of the enemy, of the person, would change because we no longer see them as blocking us, but we now see them standing beside us. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk a bunch about that tonight. And one of the ways is through forgiveness and through boundaries. You see, if we move somebody from the enemy position to the neighbor position, they don't even have to know that we've done it. We don't have to skywrite it. We don't have to tell anybody that we've done it. We don't have to tell the enemy that we've moved the enemy from that position to this position. They don't even need to know we've done it. You see, the enemy is that person that's deeply hurt you. And for some of us, it's like physically hurt us or emotionally hurt us. And and we can share stories and understand why that situation and that person has become an enemy, right? They've taken control of what you think you need to be in control of and that you think they're blocking you from a happy life. But what if you changed their position? They can't actually do anything about it. You can do everything about it. You can move them from enemy to neighbor just by offering forgiveness. You have the power to forgive your enemy. You don't have to talk to your enemy. You don't need to confront your enemy. You don't need to have them say sorry to you or validate you or understand your pain or your hurt. You can move the enemy to neighbor by forgiving them. And it's a pretty powerful weapon Because then we no longer have this unforgiveness, this enemy blocking us from God. If this is my path, if this is my sight and my vision and God is over there and the enemy is standing in front, that's blocking me from a fullness in Christ, right? That's blocking me from seeing Jesus, relating to him, connecting to him. So what do I got to do? I got to get that enemy out of there. I have got to move him to a neighbor position so that I am free in Christ and free to live in Christ. Forgiveness is powerful. And It is a choice. You have all authority and and all power to forgive that enemy before you. Now, is it gonna be easy? Oh my goodness, no. No, but Jesus never says that life is going to be easy. But is it possible? Yes, it is possible through Jesus Christ. Now, I have a friend, and she said I could share her story, um, but just not her name. And um, she has experienced deep trauma in her life. And I actually can barely even begin to um, describe, I I could not describe, and I don't even know all of the horrible things that have happened to this beautiful friend of mine. Um, As a child, she she was drugged and she was raped and she was manipulated and controlled by adults that should have been protecting her and taking care of her. Despicable things that happened to her that should never have happened and that did not she did not deserve. Like she never deserved this. None of us ever, ever deserved this. And yet these evil, horrible things happened to my friend. And the people who hurt her were naturally her enemy, right? They were naturally sitting in this pathway between her and God. And she reported them, and, and there was justice, and she wanted justice, but not in a malicious way. She has such a beautiful heart that she just didn't want anyone else to be hurt by um, these evil um, actions of the people that hurt her and offended her. And so, yes, there was a consequence for the action, But still, that doesn't give her the the room to move them from enemy to to neighbor, right? Yes, there needs to be consequence, but that doesn't move them. The only thing that moves them is forgiveness. And so what what she has gone through in this last year is this process of forgiveness. And I could weep. When I think of her and the beauty that bubbles out of this woman because she chose to forgive people that so despicably hurt her in ways that I've never experienced, and yet she chose to forgive them and to to take away the power and control that they had in her life. She was no longer blocked by the enemy, but instead... She is just focusing on Jesus. She is just focusing on Jesus. And are some days difficult and and harder than others? Oh, yeah. Some days are still so difficult. Because you see, when we move the enemy to the neighbor, it doesn't mean Satan forgets. He remembers his position and he wants it back, right? And so he's going to remind us and refresh that hurt. But we have to keep forgiving, and keep moving that enemy back to a neighbor position. Take control. And now what's happened is the fruit that is bubbling out of this friend of mine is incredible. Does she need to go to her offender and to say to her offender, I forgive you? No. She does not need to do that. No, and I think it's actually a healthy boundary that she doesn't do that. But does she need to forgive? Yes. Yes. And do you need to forgive? Yes. Do I need to forgive? Yes. And dang it, it's hard. But we clear the path between us and God when we forgive that person who's offended us. And now what's happening in her life is that she is radically loving people. She's better at loving her family and her friends and her community and the people around her. And now she's actually helping other people to say, you know what, freedom is possible Trauma is horrible and can be the enemy, but it doesn't have to be in control. You can take it back and offer forgiveness. It's been incredible to watch her growth, to forgive the enemy in her life. Adriana's going to continue on talking.
1: Mm-hmm. So, the next line that comes, Matthew 5 45, it says, So that you may be children of your father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And um, the first thing I wanna point out is, that the, is the use of the word children. Um, when I think of a child or children, I think of their behavior and my expectation for them or maybe even lack thereof. And I, all I can think about is the fact is, of, wow, okay all I can think about is that they receive so much grace and so much space to grow. They get to make mistakes and be forgiven by the people around them so quickly because they're a child. They're learning. So when we are called children of our Heavenly Father, when we are called children of God, we receive that same grace that as an adult gives, like you and I as adults, give to children. And that is encouraging. So knowing that we get this grace, we can go in loving our neighbors and learning to love our enemies with the okayness to make mistakes because we are growing. Um, The Bible also says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. And that is awesome that we get to be in a situation with someone and Jesus is there. That is just super cool and it is a blessing, but also there's a flip side to this. When two or three people are gathered together, there is potential for mess because humans are messy. We have our brokenness, we have our imperfections, and we also all carry a slightly different view of who and what Jesus is. when we walk into a place with our imperfect, imperfect likeness of Jesus, it can be hard to encounter people. But because we are children, we get grace for that. And the next thing I want to point out is our, when we create boundaries for ourselves, it's not limiting God because our God is limitless. It is just protecting our hearts. It's also showing us our comfort zone. And from there, we can then determine whether we want to step outside of it or if we want to hang out there for a little bit till Jesus is like, hey, get out, like, you know? <laughs> so good. Um, then in First John, in John four nineteen, it says, we love because he first loved us. I really like this because it shows us that, God, that Jesus carried this love that we carry, he carried it first. He, he went before us and did the exact same thing we're doing now. He felt the things we feel. He's been in the same situation. He's walked it out. Um, this is shown throughout the whole entire gospel where Jesus does what humans do, but he does it with the words of his Father. And that is stellar, and we should try and do that more often. Um, so then the second half of this verse, it says... For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And to be truthful and vulnerable, when I first read this, I was like, dude, what's this have to do with love? Like, I don't get it. And so then I just sat down with Jesus and I was like, okay, let's break it down. Let's look past the words on the page. And he said, choose love over judgment for God will do that part justly. It is not our position to love. Um. and I just spending time with Jesus and learning about this, I, something came to my mind and when we share the gospel with people, it's important to be authentic in it um, God will bless the good and the evil, he will bring rain on the righteous and the unrighteous and it's important that people know what they're getting into when they choose Jesus, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and perfectness, it's a little bit messy, but our God is so, so good, and his promises are perfect, and the pursuit of faith is hard, but it's a good thing. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to do, and so um, I wanted to maybe just touch a little bit on how do we walk authentically with Jesus, and a lot of it comes down to our intention So I want to look at Matthew 5, 46 to 47. And it says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. So... I just want to share a quick little story, um, about intention because I love it. It's so good. Um, so recently I got to celebrate my friend's 22nd birthday and, um, I was driving home from the Okanagan and I was sitting in my car and I was just thinking, and I felt it on my heart that Jesus was like, Hey, you gotta go and get her a gift. I was like, okay, like, I can do that, I can get a gift, and it's just a little unusual, because usually we only do gifts at Christmas time, and so I was like, okay, um, but anyways, I started to pray until a little bit more, and then one day I just, like, went shopping, and I found a bunch of things, but I didn't buy anything, because I didn't, I don't know why, I just didn't, but then I went back, and I just prayed about it more, and I was like, hey, God, like, if I'm going to get her a gift, I want it to be a good one. Like, I want it to be one where you show up. And so then I went back and I got a couple things. I'm just going to tell you what they were. So first I got her a bag, a handbag, to collect the treasures she found at 22, and then a notebook to record the sweet moments of 22, and then a candle that's her favorite scent to brighten her day. And her reaction opening the gift and reading the letter was just so, so sweet, and that that moment gave me joy that lasted a couple days after. And God was there in that. He showed up in that. He blessed her in that. And, like, that just comes from a little bit of intention. So I encourage you to just be intentional with you and Jesus and your situations. Um, God intention, when we do stuff with God, is good intention. He will, he will make the outcome better and the situation easier sometimes. (laughs) There's moments, but. um, So when you walk into a situation where you're um, dealing with conflict or you're trying to love on somebody, make sure that you're not doing it for your own selfish gain. But make sure that, and make sure you're not wanting to prove a point or prove yourself to this person. But walk with intention and walk with the lord and humble yourself. First, humble yourself before God, and then second, humble yourself before the person in front of you so you can hear what they're trying to say and then listen to God so he can move in you. And God loves relationship, like he has a passion for relationships. So when you are meeting with someone, God wants to be in the middle of that. And if you bring him intentionally into that, if you respect yourself and respect the person in front of you he's going to do so many great things that is like to kimmy
0: <laughs> so good uh i think i just loved god intention is good intention so good i told you she had great things to say she's got good words hey jesus man it's such jesus. good words Well, let's continue on in Matthew 5 and let's look at verse 48. It says, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so... When Adriana Adriana and I got together and we read the scripture the first time, I saw the word perfect, and it kind of actually like lit up for both of us, and I'm sure it meant very different things, but for me, if you know me, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, just a little bit. So the word perfect was actually like a little bit of a trigger uh, because I was like, ooh, yeah, I don't know, that's actually been like a little bit of a a tough thing in my life. And so I thought, well, I'm going to look it up, right? to the sentence where it says you are to be perfect. The word perfect is actually a Greek word that mean that 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 says teleos and it means finished, full grown, adult, mature. So when I kept looking at the scripture, I was thinking, well, the second part about even as your father in heaven is perfect, I thought, well, that word perfect that described Jesus, that describes God must be a different word, right? It has to be different in the Greek because there's like the word perfect for humans. And then there's probably a different word perfect for God because he's so amazing. He's just so awesome. He'd have his own perfect word. And I looked it up and guess what? It's the same. It's the same word, the perfect word is the same for both. And I kind of, I wondered why, and then I thought it's because God is the standard. There isn't a different kind of perfect. God is the standard. But God's perfection isn't actually attainable in completeness to any one of us here on earth, right? But it's our duty, it's our desire, it's our passion It's our goal to be Christ-like, to be God-like. Does that mean that we're going to fully attain perfection here on earth? No, no, but that's going to be my goal. That's going to be my standard. That's going to be my passion is to be more like God every single day in everything that I do. And how is that going to happen? Well, if I want to be like him, what am I going to do? I got to hang out with him. I got to be with him. I have to come back to that intentional word. I have to intentionally seek a relationship with him. And then what happens is that this this perfection starts to happen and and instead let's use the word mature. A maturity starts to happen in our lives, a maturity in our relationships with other people because we are acting maturely as God acts maturely, right? We're intentionally pursuing that maturity that's in Christ, right? We don't love like a baby. Like if you think of a baby, a baby has strings attached to the love that they have for their parents, right? They're dependent on their parents feeding them and clothing them and changing their diapers. And they, they need something from the other person in order to, to have that relationship. And God is saying, no, no, I want maturity, and that's manipulation, So love maturely with no strings attached. Find your fulfillment and the place of renewal in Christ, and then the love that he has for you will start to pour out to other people because it'll be a maturity in God that's being poured into you, that's being poured out. You'll start to love people maturely, and it won't be based on them behaving the right way, It'll be based on this relationship that you have with God. Your love for people is based on your relationship with God. I hope you believe that. Because he is is the author of it, the creator of it. And if you want to love people, you've got to love God. You've got to know God. That's where maturity comes from, is through God. And we can drink through a trickling tap, and just have a little bit of God, just here and there, every once in a while, and we're going to stay a baby. Or we can turn on the fire hose, right, and try to drink from the fire hose of God, and that's where maturity is going to start to come. See, we can point the finger at the enemy and say that it's the enemy's fault why we don't love other people, but like we heard, it's possible through forgiveness to move the enemy to a neighbor position and to maturely grow that relationship with God, right? Your relationship with people is based on your relationship with God. And I believe that Jesus is calling us to be consistent everywhere. That the way that we live and love when we're around each other when we're around Christian friends, when we're around our family, is the way that we would live and love when we're around the difficult people that we don't know. And that is only going to happen through a maturity in Christ, through intentionally seeking that relationship, imitating God. Because we know God doesn't give pieces of love. He doesn't have strings attached. He gives a fullness. So let's go to the next part.
1: Okay, um, so when, when we were together talking about this and the perfect, perfect word came up, I, uh, that same week I read in Matthew 8, 5 to 13, and I'm just going to summarize it for you guys. Um, so this is what I read. Um, so Jesus was like traveling through cities and towns and doing his, doing his thing. He was speaking, he was healing, he was teaching, he was hanging out. And he went into this place called... uh, Capernaum there you go Um, where a man comes running up to him and greets him and says you need to help me because my servant is suffering and so right there that kind of like took me by surprise because this man who has a servant runs to Jesus and says hey you need to help like he was in charge of this guy but yet they became equals in that moment Um. And Jesus, his response is kind of like, okay, cool. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, do you want me to heal him? Do you want me to say I'm sorry? Like, what's going on? And this man's like, I need you to heal him. And Jesus is like, okay, cool, I can do that. Take me to your home. And this guy, he's like, um, he's a centurion, by the way. Forgot to tell you that part. Um, So he starts listing off all these reasons why Um, Jesus can't come to his house, he starts listing sins, he starts listing imperfections, and Jesus turns around to all these people following him, and he says, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in in Israel with so great of faith. This man, he came running up to Jesus and just bared all his unworthiness, and Jesus still saw his faith and was like, that man has the greatest faith I've seen yet. Well, so far in his journey of what I've been reading, okay. <laughs> um, and then Jesus looks at, looks at the man and he says, okay, go, as you have believed, let it be done. And the servant was healed in that very moment. And this story shows that it doesn't take human perfection for God to move. Um, it takes faith from us. And we need to have faith and have expectation in Jesus. Your imperfections and your sins don't prevent the hand of Jesus from reaching out. You need to have a big, unashamed faith for what he will do. And having an expectation in God is a good boundary. Having an expectation in men and what they're going to do is a not good boundary. So just carry that with you. So
0: good. So good. So we um, talked and we wanted to do a little bit of an exercise with you tonight. And so hoping you'll participate with us. It's always more fun when people participate. And um, so earlier I had said that the cross is kind of like a doorway. Okay. The cross is complete. And what Jesus did for us on the cross and defeated sin, it is complete, right? The hold that sin and death had on humanity is finished, completed through the work of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the cross, uh, I believe that God doesn't want us to just stay there. I believe that that's actually a doorway for us to move into a deeper relationship with him. So I want to ask if you would close your eyes, and we're going to do a little exercise. You're going to do some imagining, so you can put on your imagination cap, and we're going to do some imagining together. So the first thing is that we need to believe in what Jesus has done. And maybe for some in this room or connecting with us online, you have never actually said out loud uh, that you believe in Jesus, that you believe in the complete work of what Jesus Christ has done. And so I'm hoping today is that day and that you will say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. And so with your eyes closed, I just want you to be thinking of the things as I say them, just repeating them in your heart. Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I believe in your life, in your death, and your resurrection. I believe that you and only you, Jesus, fully God and fully man, conquered sin on the cross to pay the cost, the bill, the debt of my sin. And I believe and I know that I've made a lot of mistakes, God, And I am asking Jesus that you would forgive me of them. Jesus, forgive me of my mistakes because I believe you have the power. Jesus, thank you. And so if you are watching with us online and and today for the first time you said yes, I want you just to please click that button. And if you're here in the room, I want you just to close your eyes again, and I want you to put your hand up if today, for the very first time, you feel like, yes, I get it, I understand, and I believe. So just keep your eyes closed and put your hand up if you feel like that happened tonight. Yeah, thank you. There is a party in heaven And I want you to tell us, if you're online or here in the room, those that have said yes, you need to talk to us. You need to tell us because you're not in this alone. We never want you to feel like, oh, now I have God. Now what do I want to do? What am I going to do? Sorry. We want to be there with you. We want to be your neighbor. We want to partner with you. We want to help you to understand fully how much God loves you.
1: I just want you guys to close your eyes again and get back into that space with Jesus. And now that we have Jesus in our lives being present in our hearts, I just want you to take a moment and visualize um, yourself just walking to the base of the cross just kneeling before it. If you need to do this physically, like actions, just feel free to do that it's a safe space. Um, Now, I just want you to imagine taking off, off the old mistakes and giving them to Jesus. Imagine leaving the mistakes you've made at the cross and asking Jesus to forgive you for them. And whether we have known God for two minutes or 20 years, I want you to confess your sin. Now, staying at the base of the cross, I want you to imagine the hurt that happened against you. Imagine the people that hurt you, the words that you were called that weren't from God, and I want you to leave them there. I want you to take a step back. I want you to just shake it off, man, like just shake all that grossness off you. Give them to Jesus, and I want you to I want you to forgive the people for, that you've put at that cross. And I want you to ask Jesus for, to forgive them. And I also, I also want you to forgive yourself. Let's keep our eyes closed
0: and sustain this moment. Forgiveness is powerful, and you are shifting. What stands before you? You will say, enemy, you must leave. Fear, you must go. Anxiety, you must leave. Trauma, out of here. My enemy, you must move from this place because forgiveness releases. So by the power of that forgiveness, you are moving the enemy from this line between you and God. And so just keep imagining this place that we're in. See, forgiveness unlocks this door so that we can walk in freedom. It unlocks healing. It's where it can start. Healing starts with forgiveness. It unlocks truth. And the truth is you never deserved those hurts to happen, but they did. But God is saying so tenderly and so lovingly to you, it's time to let them go. It's time to let them go it's time to forgive I've got greater things in store for you I've got good things but I need your eyes on me I need us connected I need us intentional and so I want you just to imagine yourself you are crossing over and into that doorway and if you were down on your knees I want you just to stand up because it's like this physical reminder It's this physical action that I'm going to leave all of that bitterness, all of that unforgiveness, all of that trauma, all of that hurt, I'm going to leave it there at the foot of the cross where it is finished, where it is completely forgiven by the power of Jesus Christ and his blood. And I'm going to walk through that doorway to a newness in life, to a new relationship with God. So I want you to imagine yourself right now just walking through that doorway and you've got none of that old baggage behind you and you've got no enemy before you. All that you can see in front of you is Jesus. All you can see is the loving face of a father who's so radically, so lavishly in love with you that he just wants you to wake up every morning and just to have the whole day with him. He just can't wait to be with you because he loves you that much. Walk over that threshold. Walk through that door and embrace God on the other side. He wants the fullness of you so that he can pour in the fullness of him into your heart. Jesus is so good. He's so good to you. He is so good to us. Don't miss this opportunity. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We just soak in your presence, Lord God, because of your goodness. We just ask you for more, more of your presence, Lord God. Don't let us go another day letting that enemy be in control. But God, let us just surrender to you, to your goodness and who you are, for what you have done for every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Before we completely finish for the evening, I uh, just wanted to say that uh, trauma and hurt and pain, they're a big deal. And, and we're not talking about them lightly. We're talking them knowing the power of God and that through him it is possible to have um, hope hope and faith, and healthiness. And so if you have gone through some traumatic events and feel like you'd like to come for personal prayer, we have prayer people at the back of the room that would love to pray with you. And online, we have people who want to pray with you. And please reach out to us. Fill in the Connect card and say, I want deeper prayer. You know the story of of the friend? I want that kind of beauty in my life. I accept that it's through the work of Jesus Christ, and I want it. So don't stay in that position of letting the enemy control you. Move your position. Thank you.